Hello and welcome to History Slices Podcast. This is Rachel. And this is Jacob. And this is our ninth episode. Uh, wow, that's crazy. It's amazing. It's very cool, isn't it? I'm, I'm kind of proud of us that we've made it yeah. this far with our humble little podcast. Yeah. But uh, we've been, we were just talking off, off uh, mic, almost off camera. <laughs> Thank goodness there's no camera in this room. No, we were no. just talking off mic about, you know, the, um, the value of this podcast to the two of us and we, how we have just surpassed certain milestone as of downloads and while it's fun to see you know people liking um and downloading the podcast it's it's very rewarding just to be sitting here across the desk here from you jacob and be able to spend this time together it's 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 my honor to talk with you and have some fun with this thing it's Yeah, no, this has been great, but I interrupted your introduction. No, 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 that's great. I, I kind of started rambling on the introduction because I was doing a little bit of reflecting here in episode nine. Hey, that's all but good. But <laughs> what I remember is that this episode is going to be about the Voynich manuscript. Yes, and we kind of decided uh, that, or we figured out, I think, that that's kind of the closer pronunciation than whatever I was saying last time. Okay, that's we're going to go with yeah. Voynich. So, so uh, do, uh, yeah, let's let's hear about it. Yeah, let's dive right in. This is exciting because it's a pretty interesting uh, little mystery we've got on our hands. First of all, what have you heard of the Voynich manuscript? We, I really haven't heard anything about the Voynich manuscript. I don't I don't okay. know what it is. That's fine. It's uh, it's kind of more obscure as far as unsolved mysteries go basically it's a codex which is like a old version of a book basically like before the printing press and stuff like that they um you know hand copied down we're all all handwritten books called codex i think so it seems oh, like well a lot of early books were not stories as we would understand okay. it but a lot of them were like recording information or they were like religious texts or yeah which at the time to them was non-fictional codex Codex sounds like such a a technology rich word like it's going to lead us Uh, someplace i don't know oh see this is interesting because to me it sounds so antiquated and medieval codex yeah i don't know maybe it sounds like uh, i don't know Uh, a product name of something that's trying to be you know futuristic mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway so codex (laughs) yes it's handwritten obviously it's also got a bunch of illustrations. What makes it so mysterious and fascinating, one are the illustrations, which we will get to, but the language is written in has never been able to be deciphered. It's an unknown language. It's never... Nobody can identify No one can is. identify it. It's very unusual looking. There's some like Latin and stuff in there that can be read, but it's like... Not enough. It, it, it's like a little like blurb next to a drawing or whatever. You know, it's not enough to really um, identify what the purpose of the book is. Interesting. Okay. So tell me what we know about it. Mm-hmm. So start, maybe start with some of the knowns. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into that. Okay. I'm going to talk about the manuscript itself. And then I'm going to talk about the known history of it because we don't really know where it came from or okay. who wrote it or anything like that. And yeah, and then I can get into some theories and we could just have like a fun discussion about cool. it. Cool. Okay, so basically they carbon dated the book. So many people looked at this, by the way, like a bunch of like code breakers, of a bunch of like scholars, a bunch of people who study medieval or, or um, Renaissance because they think it's from the Renaissance Interesting. time. Some of the code breakers uh, actually served during the First and Second World Wars. So oh. they're not just like some armchair guys, you know, yeah. these are like, these are professionals yeah. and they, no one's been able to figure it out. Anyways, they carbon dated it back to the early 15th century. So around like 
the 1500s, kind of the first half of that. Um, the 15th century would have been the 1400s, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. And we think it was made in Italy, but it's one of those things that's like we're not entirely sure, you know, the exact dates. Or, yeah. um, Do you know why they think it was made there? Just Well, I think because of like like the known history of it okay. and kind of like... Leads back there. It kind of leads back there. Yeah, because... Well, we'll get into it, but okay. you, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> so... It's named after a man named Wilfred Voynich, okay. who's, um, he's a book, antique book dealer, or he was, he's passed away now, of course, because it was a while ago. He was also Polish, that's why he's named that. <laughs> yeah, he bought it in 1912, but we'll get to that, but that's, a, you know, the reason why it's named after him is because he's the person who first brought it into public eye, which has fed to some theories. This is really fascinating. I'm trying not to be like too... Don't, don't jump in, ahead too much. Yeah, or in the weeds of it, so to speak. They've estimated there was 272 pages originally. Some of them are missing by the time like they got a hold of it. So there's 240 left. The text is itself is really interesting. I'm not like a language expert or anything like that, so I can't really like well, this is what this means or anything like that. But it's written from left to right. Which uh, is how we would write. Yeah, now, yeah, so. yeah. But it has like a lot of like single stroke like lines and stuff like that. And on the Facebook page or whatever, we also like pictures of like a page or something. And okay. you, you guys will be able to see for yourselves. It looks weird. <laughs> or not weird in the sense that it like... It looks enough like letters. That... Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like one of the theories, and again, we'll get more into this, but... One of the theories is that it might be a hoax or might be someone just made it for like a laugh. But people who study language as a profession have looked at it and they said, no, this this looks like a language, like the way it's written out and like the way that like certain words like repeat themselves mm-hmm, and stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's written Has the like, markings of a language. Yeah, right. it says it looks like it's trying to say something. Right. OK. As opposed to this random gibberish and like scrolls right, and stuff. Right. Because there, there is a pattern to languages. There is. Mm-hmm. There is, yeah. It's also last, like, kind of tidbit about it before going to, like, the timeline. Because the timeline is really fascinating. And I don't know if this translates well because I'm not good with math or measurements. But the book is 9.3 by 6.4 by 2.0 inches. I don't know if that's relevant, but, you know, if it, it, it's just that's what it looks like. Probably pretty standard book size. Yeah, I thought it was big. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good to know. It's also, I think it's interesting oh, that, that somehow they've determined about how many pages they think are missing. So mm. that's that's interesting, too. The construction of it would be interesting. Yeah, well, I think, it, well, I don't think I know. It's one of those things where, like, because it wasn't, like, a printed thing, it was a handwritten thing, yeah. the text is kind of bigger than, like, what we're used to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to speak, regardless of what it says or yeah, what language yeah, it yeah. is, because we're used to, of course, like the very neat, like type, typewritten type row, row, yeah. row. Well, there it's more like bigger, but which makes sense. As far as the illustrations go, uh, there's a lot of drawings of like plants and stuff. Some of them are identifiable. Some of them are a bit more fantastical, like they, that doesn't look like any known plant or whatever. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Which... And there's a lot of theories as yeah, to Yeah, I know. That. It starts to make you think, okay, well, where does come somebody's from imagination or somebody who is from a different place where they saw these Yeah, plants? yeah. Like a really, that's one of the reasons why I chose this because I'm like, this is so interesting and it's so strange and mysterious. There's a lot of like circular diagrams that are like have made some people think that, oh, maybe it's like an astronomy thing or something, you know, because of like the layout. Maybe somebody was planning 
crop circles. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, farmers' almanacs are were a thing. Um, sure. Well, they still are. Yeah, they yeah. still are. I, yeah, <laughs> but like pre-internet aids, you know, like yeah. I think they were slightly bigger. But. So there's uh, so far we know there's text. There's some drawings of like plant life mm-hmm. and circular drawings. So there, there's like I wonder um, if they think it was a farmer's maybe, but type. there's also like I don't know maybe I don't know if it's like proven to be related or not, but a bunch of stuff that looks like it's related to um, astrology, and you know there's like you know like those c- constellations, constellations yeah. that are like, you know like Terrace and you know like yeah. Gemini the twins and stuff. Yeah. You know there's a lot of kind of drawings that are like that, which I don't mm. know if it's related, but um, it is interesting. And uh, yeah, just a whole bunch of strange stuff. And like the plants, even like the ones that aren't um, identifiable, have like that science textbook thing where they have like little bits pointing to them like with labels. Like, yeah, like labels and stuff. So interesting. Like they're, they're more of a diagram than an illustration. So well, it's yeah, like, here's, but, a, here's this plant and yeah, and this is this part of it. And okay, so. Yeah, uh, I want to dive into timeline because I've just been itching, but <laughs> sorry, I, I don't mean to like... You're good. Okay, yeah, this is really exciting. So again, a lot of these names are like Polis or Italian or whatever, so sorry. So if a disclaimer I'm at the front, dis- yeah, just yeah, doing the best you can. As always, I don't, I know, I speak one language, including English, like I'm not <laughs> very, I'm not very good at that, but the first confirmed owner, and we know the book has existed before this um, because of the carbon dating thing. But the first conformed owner was a man named George Barris, I believe. He was an alchemist who lived in Prague. George Barris lived in like the 1600s or so, just to kind of give you like a vague where in history. So potentially a couple hundred years after the... It was written. Yeah, yeah after we constructed. assume it's written, yeah. Right. And so, he lived in Prague and he was an alchemist. So yeah. that, that kind of lines up with what it seems like the content is. Yeah. He's a, a scientist of Kind of tracks, yeah. yeah. So... And we know a lot of this early timeline of it because of letters, because a lot of the early known owners of the book knew each other. So it's a little, it's a little confusing, but uh-huh. I'll make an attempt to simplify it. He owned a library, which had like a bunch of different books and... This uh, alchemist, you're still talking about Yeah, alchemist. yeah, I'm talking about um, Barris. Okay. And like, I don't know if it was like a, a public library or a private collection or what. I couldn't find too much clarification on that unfortunately but i guess he didn't know like where a lot of the books or all the books came from because he found it in the library and he was really puzzled by it maybe Uh, he inherited it it's possible who knows it was like in a collection or something who knows where it came from but he was very confused by it because of all the reasons i just ward vomited at you and it was in it was sitting in his library for years by the way like so he and this is the earliest confirmation of the book's existence. It was a letter that he wrote and he sent to his friend named, uh, well, his last name's Kircher. His first name's really long. <laughs> That's okay. Athenesis? Athenesis? Hmm. Mr. Kircher. Yeah, Mr. Kircher. <laughs> he was actually a scholar, like a Jesuit scholar. And Barris wanted his help translating it or attempting to translate it because Kircher had previously, I don't know if he was known for this, but he had... um. Translate some Egyptian holog- uh, holographs, hieroglyphs. Hi, yeah. That word. Some words just trip <laughs> me up, and that's one of them, you know? Yeah. Hieroglyphs. So that's kind of, you know, like, because he's a scholar, you know, like, yeah. that's what they do. They go yeah. around and translate things. So it makes sense he'd reach out to his mm-hmm. buddy. Yeah. That, that could do this. In fact, Kurtzer was so interested in this um, this text that he wanted to buy it off of Barris, but Barris didn't want to part with it or whatever. So uh, Barris wrote him a letter asking him 
to help him translate it or he yeah. gave him the book to have him he help it? he basically I don't mean gave it like Yeah, yeah, but basically it, he but... um he sewed in the book basically okay. is what it boils down to and Kurt was like this is really interesting can I have it? <laughs> He's like no. <laughs> it's fair enough, but Barris he tried for like a a while to like like a few years to like get it figured out and translated and eventually he passed away. So his friend Kircher couldn't figure no, it out. No, 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 no one's okay. been able to figure this okay. out. Yeah, yeah. So the book got inherited by Barris's other friend. All three of these people know each other, by the way, named uh Dan Merrick Marcy. He's uh he was a he was also in Prague. He was a Charles University. He was a rector, which is a like it's like an academic position. and um Marcy, after a few years of owning it, sold it to Kircher. <laughs> so oh, the account so within funny. like a little like circle yeah. there. So Kircher finally got his hands on mm-hmm. it. And I actually have like his letter, Marcy's letter to Kircher, um, where he's like, Hey, I'm giving you this. I want to read it off. It's it's a little tricky to understand because it's in like was written in the sixteen hundreds, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's kinda like Shakespeare. If you listen to it, you can get it. Don't worry about that. I'll explain what it means afterwards. Okay, I good. just thought this letter was interesting. That is, I, I'm eager to hear it, but I'm curious what language language it was originally written in. Oh, uh, it's probably like Polish or something. Okay, so it's just been translated. Yeah, this is the English version. So maybe it's not necessarily in, like exactly accurate because yeah. translating is always a little yeah. finicky with yeah. that. But Okay, um, cool. I just, that was just mm-hmm. a little curiosity. So no, no, no. Go totally for fine. it. Let's hear, let's hear it. So, Reverend and Distinguished Sir... Father in Christ, because remember, Kurtzer was a Jesuit. This book, bequeathed to me by an intimate friend, I destined for you, my very dear Anathasius, as soon as it came into my possession, for I was convinced that it could be read by no one except yourself. Uh, So basically saying that, like, I don't know what this is, but you're smart, so you might. uh, If anybody can read it, you can. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The former owner of this book asked your opinion by letter, I told you about, copying and sending you a portion of the book from which he believed you'll be able to read the remainder. But he, at the time, refused to send the book itself. Mm. Mm, yeah. Apparently, Barris was, like, really clingy to it. I can see why. You wouldn't want to let it out of your possession. If it's the only copy? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. To its deciphering, he devoted unflagging toil, as it's apparent from attempts of which I send you herewith, and he re- relinquished. Relinquished. <laughs> Thank you. Relinquish dyslexia. Relinquished hope only with his life, which honestly is a very strange way That's of saying. Interesting. Like he hoped until he died. Yeah, it's a very yeah. interesting way of saying my friend died a failure. <laughs> is is that what it's saying? Well, or well it's, it's saying, really saying that like maybe not exactly that, but it's saying that like you know he tried until he died. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm like, okay, that he is hopeful until the day he died. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Okay, but in his toil was in vain for such sphinxes. And by that, he means riddles, uh, are as these obey no one but their master, Kircher. Mm. Except now this token, such as it is, and long overdue thought to be, of my affection of you, and burst through its bars, if there are any, with your wonted success. Dr. Raphael, a tutor in the Bohemian language to Fernand III, then king of Bohemia, told me that said book belonged to Emperor Rudolf, and that he presented the, to the bearer who bought him the book 600 ducats, which is money, he believed the author was Roger Bacon, the Englishman. On this point, I suspend judgment. It is your place to define for us what view we should take therein, to whose favor and kindness I unreservedly commit myself and remain. 
So what he's saying there, that's a lot. What he's saying there is basically that one of his colleagues looked at it and claimed the book was written by Roger Bacon, who was a famous philosopher. But Marcy is saying, I'm withholding judgment. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You that's would so maybe know. So yeah. You look at it, but you know, it's just like passing on, like this one guy said this yeah. one thing. So yeah. About this book, we're still we're hoping you can help us figure it out. So this is the sixteen hundreds, you this said. Is, right? uh, yeah, this is still like around okay, the same and time. Roger Bacon are you going to share more about that philosopher? Like what nationality was here? He, do you know? Yeah. Because yeah. He, somebody has claimed that uh, his colleague, uh, Ferdinand, mm-hmm. whoever, Bohemian, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of words in there. Yeah. Roger Bacon was dead at the time. He lived in like the 1200s. Okay. That's what, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Was. And he was, um, he was English. Okay. Yeah. Which they say in the letter, um, yeah. but it's a lot, it's easy to miss because there's a lot <laughs> there. That's interesting. So that somebody thought it was written by him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And that predates the carbon dating that they did on the book, which makes me wonder about carbon dating. Cause I don't know. I yeah. Don't know well, I, I don't think is. they carbon dated it then. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they were just going off uh, knowledge of what they, what right, they had. Yeah, right. no, totally. But that, that's just interesting to me that it, there's sort of a conflict between what they thought then in the 1600s versus what the carbon dating said. Yeah, totally. So uh, Marcy signs off the letter, just to finish it. And he says, at the command of your reverence, Johannes Marcus Marcy of Kronland, I think that's the pronunciation, Prague, 19th August, 1665, or like 1666. We're not entirely sure what year this letter went out. One of those two. But it was around that time. Uh, and that was Marcy's letter to Kircher as he gave him the book. Interesting. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I uh, I don't know anything. Uh, well, I don't know a lot about Marcy because, of course, he lived in a different time period than me. And I always really want to read up on him in relations to this mm-hmm. manuscript. But I, he sounds like a polite person. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to comment on the language of the letter. I, I love it so much because you're not left kind of guessing really about like his tone and no he's um, very, well that's one reasons i included clear. it yeah it's very clearly uh stated i mean sure i'd have to go back and read it again to yeah make sure I, yeah i caught it all but i i just love uh hearing what people wrote a long time ago because i think they took a little bit more time to express themselves clearly oh yeah definitely especially with how easy it is now with emails and stuff not to say that they aren't amazingly no, convenient and awesome. Yeah, but texting and emojis, like we expect an emoji to say so much. Yeah. I think that's kind of how language evolves naturally. Not to get off topic, yeah. but I think slain of today becomes proper language of tomorrow. I'm sure know? it does. And this is really, really going to sidestep, but <laughs> it's just a question that, like, yeah. you know, I wonder about because they were able to express themselves so well back then. I wonder if they were actually more kind of in tune or could identify more of the feelings that they were having and just because they were able to kind of, you know, talk, I don't know. talk about things better, but that's totally I don't know. a different yeah, no, topic. Uh, yeah, no, no, it is. But that's an interesting thought. I don't know. It would not surprise me, but yeah. like Marcy, I'm, I don't know enough to really comment. <laughs> like that's, I'll leave that up for the people who are smarter than yeah, me to, cool. to figure that nice one out. Nice segue back to where we need to yeah. be. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, so unfortunately, and you know, it's because I told you this already, but unfortunately, um, Kircher could not figure it out. And when he passed away, it stayed in the library. He worked at like the... Was it the university? Yeah, at the university. Yeah. And it stayed like that for 200 years. And probably nobody... Like, probably not many people Came across it and it. opened it up to see. Yeah. Yeah. So 200 years, it stayed on the show. Yeah, because again, keep in mind, the... 
Voynich, the guy the manuscript is named after, has not entered the story yet. Yeah. Most people don't know this thing exists. So in 1870, right, we're jumping ahead a bit, but this is where it comes back in. Italy annexed the Papal States, which is like a whole thing. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It's it's not like the most relevant. The thing you know is that basically Italy started to confiscate a lot of the church's stuff or at least like hold it. So a lot of books and things started to get quickly and, you know, uh, under the radar, like move to a bunch of private collections and libraries and stuff like that to avoid this. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, which is a whole thing in and yeah, of itself. Yeah, it is. And yeah, yeah, I didn't want to get too into it because it's like... Because that'll go a whole other direction. Yeah, but, but uh, needs to say the manuscript was included in this catalog that got like moved around a bit. It was um, put in... This is an Italian name, so... Bear with me. The Villa Mondragoni. Anyways, it, it's a country palace house. It was bought by the Society of Jesus in 1866. The Society of Jesus yeah. in 1866. It, okay. was, it was like the headquarters of like a Jesuit college or something okay. like that. Yeah. There's a lot of like groups and there's a lot of like factions. So it, will, it ended up in this. It ended up in like a Jesuit headquarter thing. Okay. Just to, yeah. In Italy probably. In Italy. Yeah, yeah. this is in Italy. Okay. Um, and it. In 1912, the Society of Jesus, they weren't low on funds. So what they did was they sold some of their holdings back to the Vatican. It was kind of on a down low, you know, kind of like, hey, you know. But the Vatican didn't get all of it because I guess they were selling to some other parties. And this is when Wilfred Voynich comes in to the story. He got around 30 manuscripts or books or codexes or whatever, including this, the Voynich manuscript, which he was super into. Like when he discovered it or found it, he was like really hardcore. Like, I got to figure this thing out. That's interesting. You could see why somebody who's a collector of antique books would oh, yeah. consider that a real find. Oh, yeah. And we'll get into some of the theories as to like why he was so interested, maybe. But we'll, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to jump ahead because there's yeah. like a lot of potential segues there. So for the next seven years, he was trying to decipher it. He, uh, yeah, he got a bunch, tried to get a bunch of scars interested. He brought it up in like a lot of like conversations and circumstances. And the reason why it's named after him, because it originally didn't have a name. It was just like, this was a weird book, uh, <laughs> is, uh, because he's kind of the one responsible for bringing it more into the public eye, or at least the public being people who would be interested in this or know about this thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so he passed away in 1930, unfortunately, but you know, he was older and his possessions went to his widow, who's named Ethel. She's an author and of herself, she wrote like a book and stuff. But And she kept in her, her death in 1960. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if she did anything with it. I don't think she did. I think she's just like, okay, whatever. This is just one of the things. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after that. Because he probably had a pretty big collection that she. Yeah. 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 I mean, this guy got 30 books from like the Jesuits. From this so. one. Yeah. This one thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. so after she passed away. Her friend, Anne Hill, who I could find much about, but she had a friend named Anne Hill. She took possession of it. And a year later, she sold it to um, Hans P. Cross, who is another kind of antique book dealer type. I know there's a lot in this story. Cross couldn't find like a buyer or anyone to like take it off his hands. So he donated it to Yale at the university. 
and it's there to this day. I was just thinking, so I think you said Ann Hill yeah. bought it from his widow. So um, Well, I don't know if she bought it. She might have just inherited or it. Or somehow but, yes. came into possession in the 60s. Yeah, after um, the widow passed. Was she Polish also, do you know, or was she... Like, do you know, like, Hans Cross and Anne Hill, do you happen to know their nationality? Just kind of curious about how, where the book traveled. Yeah, no, no. I couldn't okay. I couldn't find too much information yeah. on Anne Hill. Okay, it might curious. be out there and I missed it, but I couldn't find it. And I'm just going to make a comment real quick before you go forward sure. after Yale. Um, because, uh, you know, we now call it the Voynich Manuscript. Yeah. And that was already, the book is either four or 600 years old Older. at that point. Yeah. And it, it it's curious because I'm thinking... You know, they called it that weird book, whatever, but I mean, yeah. did the book have a title? Because typically books, you know, unless it's somebody's personal journal. If it has a title, it hasn't been translated or determined to be a title. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, but it, no, that's like, a great it's question. It's really interesting that there wouldn't be like, I don't know it what... wouldn't have been given some sort of, um, mm-hmm. but I guess, you know, there weren't a lot of people that knew about it. It was like a collection of scholars and book nerds who were like who knew about who it, knew so. about it and were kind of passing the money teller so it's very possible that they if they gave it a name it's they didn't a, the like nameless publish book. it yeah very interesting okay so but Yale good has question. it yeah and it's in the 60s yeah and it, it it's still there like to this day they have it in like their um their like library their collection of it so there's a lot of kind of theories about what the heck this thing is i didn't list all of them because who has the time but um <laughs> i listed some like the major ones because okay. i thought this was relevant and interesting so first of all there's a question of who wrote it if it's someone we as a species know you know i mean like someone who's like historically existed <laughs> so theories raids from like roger bacon I remember the philosopher right. mentioned so kurtzer first kind of not kurtzer Marcy first kind of proposed this based on like something his colleague, you know, brought up to him. And Voynich himself believed this the- authorship theory. He tried to like um, prove it or try to like be like, no, I'm pretty certain it's this. However, it's largely been discredited. I wonder what it was that tied it to Bacon. Do you know why some people thought it was um, Bacon who wrote it? Well, it's kind of hard to follow from the letter we read, but basically, um, Rudolph, who's um, Marcy's colleague, who's like a like a scholar in his own right like he's got like uh information on him online but he was saying how like it was Rinsley belonged to this emperor or something a new bacon or whatever i don't know like where he got all his information okay okay <laughs> but uh, apparently he thought he had it identified or thought that like oh i think i know where this is okay so he was able to draw some lines back yeah, to yeah. bacon somehow. yeah not to bring up the image of like the red string on the wall connecting a bunch of different photographs or something you see in movies, <laughs> but kind of something like that. Yeah, okay. I'm sure it was much more scientific than that, <laughs> but it's a funny image. But that's been discredited. Yeah, because of the carbon dating thing, like you said, it, it doesn't date that far back. So that and that statement means that carbon dating is pretty accurate. At the very least, they believe it's accurate enough to like not, uh, to, to, considered this theory discredited okay i think there might also be like some other kind of like this doesn't really match up but i mean it's hard i like all the information is kind of tricky to yeah, find about sure. this thing so okay so it's been discredited that that is bacon we're pretty yeah. fairly sure that we're fairly sure another theory was wilfred voynich himself dun 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 as kind of like a hoax thing because keep in mind the uh first i'm going to say 
why this might be, and then I'm going to say why it probably isn't. Okay. <laughs> so um, he was the first person to like really kind of bring this up and be like, look at this thing. He was a uh, like a book dealer, so he knew what an antique book would look like, and a lost Roger Bacon book, which came mind that was he claimed it was written by Roger Bacon as well. That would be worth a lot of change, <laughs> like a lot of money amongst people who That's are into really that stuff. Yeah. However, first of all, the carbon dating again doesn't really work, and the um the amount of like effort. And detail that goes into it suggests that it isn't a hoax because, again, it's clearly a language or it's saying something like it isn't just random scribbles and whatever. Boy, you'd have to be really dedicated to your fabrication. Yeah, the type of paper. I didn't didn't mention this earlier, but the type of paper it's on is also not commonly used anymore. You know, like there's a lot of... When that, you say anymore, you mean uh, at the time that uh, he at purchased that time. it? Yeah, at that time. So, um, but it, it's like there's a lot of things. Some of them are kind of subtle even that point to this being, this was probably made in the Renaissance, not okay. in the um, the 1900s. So another one, and this is someone we haven't talked about yet, Giovanni Fontana, which sounds like a Grand Theft Auto character, but it isn't. <laughs> he, an he Italian was, sounding person. He is. He's Italian. He was an engineer. He was kind of an odd guy in the sense that he was known for writing in ciphers or, or making ciphers. And what, what when did he live? Oh, this was like back in this. This would have been around the time that they think the book. book might have, yeah. Okay. Which is why people think, oh, maybe. That's interesting. So he was known for making for. Creating yeah, I'm not ciphers. entirely sure why. Maybe it was to like protect his engineering secrets or maybe it was just because he was into it which is yeah. fine. And his illustrations, because of course it was a Renaissance, so everyone drew stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's an, that, that, that's an over generalization. Yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, we yeah. know what his drawings look like. They look kind of similar mm. to the stuff found in the Voynich manuscript. Mm. However, however, none of his known codes or ciphers, or you want to call them, mats up with the type found in a Voynich manuscript, which doesn't discredit it necessarily. Yeah. But it's because maybe it was a collaboration project. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we don't Fontana know. We, with we have no idea. Yeah. But it's it's definitely like an interesting theory as to maybe this guy, but there's no real way to prove it outside of kind of circumstantial evidence, yeah. you know, which yeah. is not Admissible in a court of law, you know, it's like it's not. Well, it's like, interesting you know. because if his if his drawings kind of matched, yeah, um, and he was an engineer. Oh, I don't know. I always picture engineers like um, drawing machines and gadgets, not and, plants and houses and yeah. buildings. Yeah, not, not not plants and bowls and, and astrology. Yeah, symbols. <laughs> like yeah, that. yeah. But at the same time, it's like. But but I, I can see how somebody's artwork mm-hmm. is almost like a signature. Like there's a style to yeah. it. Yeah. So I can see why that could match up. Yeah, no, totally. In regards to like what the book is itself, outside of just who made it, it was a one person, group of persons, putting that aside, because we don't know one way or the other, but there's been a lot of theories put forth as to like what the purpose of this is and why it's in a different language that no one's been able to identify. Yeah. So one of the theories is that it's a con lane or constru- uh, constructed language, uh, which I don't know if you know what that is. It's basically, it's a language someone... Like Klingon. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> yeah. no, exactly. Someone yeah. made up a language. Yeah. Um, 
and it like functions as a language. Which, if true, this make that makes this case really interesting to me because this would be like the first known instance of someone doing that. I mean, the idea has been around before, but like it hasn't actually been like a thing until relatively recently. Where like, oh geez, what's his name? There's this one guy. I own a, his. I own his book. Why am I blanking on his name? Anyways, there's this guy who's like a a linguist, and his job is to make up a bunch of fake languages for movies and shows. Like Game of Thrones. Yeah, and that's, and, that's what I was going to um, say is that it, it's not uncommon today to have languages that are constructed. But back then, mm-hmm. I mean, language was just useful. Yeah. Like, they didn't have time to, you know, create <laughs> be, languages for fun, for entertainment. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. it would be surprising that mm-hmm. it was a constructed language back then. Because why? The, the I think the one who kind of, kind of introduced this idea to like more of the public eye or at least the nerdy public eye was Tolkien because he was a language buff first and foremost like before he even so Tolkien was aware of this manuscript well I don't know I don't know if he was I'm talking about constructed languages yeah I see I see he might have been I I, I thought he was going to comment on the no no I'm sorry I should have that's fine. Worded that better. <laughs> but basically, Tolkien, he made like a Quinya, which is like an Elvis language. And not only did he make that, he made different dialects and like a history that went with the language to explain like, here's how it evolved. He was crazy. <laughs> he was like he a... He was crazy he was, he was doing that as a hobby. <laughs> yeah. He had an incredible mind. Yeah, he did. It was awesome. But like people who like are fans of like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, they're like, oh... You just make a language. That's interesting. And some people who are into that stuff and have the brain for it, because I don't, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, I want to try that. So that's fun. It might not be, but that's like a fun theory that maybe it's just someone, you know, making a language. Yeah. Um, Uh, That's what you can't take it off the table, I mm -hmm. guess. It also is possible it's a work of outsider art, which if you remember. Darger. Yeah. We've, we've talked about that before uh again we don't know if that's true or not but it one of the theories proposed is that like well maybe this is just a work of art or like it's a um someone somewhere was just being expressive or creative or whatever and they made it and it just survived all these years by like just luck or whatever because it's an oddity (laughs) oh yeah well Yeah. yeah but i mean like in the um couple centuries before we knew what happened to Isn't it. Isn't that, that's really fascinating. We, that would be funny. Like what if we came across some of Tolkien's notes, you know, where he was creating mm-hmm. his language and dialects and all that. And we'd be like, what in the world could this be? And it's just a guy who's yeah. got a hobby of creating. Yeah. Languages. If we didn't know who Tolkien that was. That would be so funny. So yeah. you, it could be a possibility that that's, that's the deal. Yeah. 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 Um, and again, like you said, there's theories that oh, it's like a, like a like a farmer's almanac, or it's like a uh, a botanist herbology thing, you know, which doesn't really explain the language, but it explains like some of the drawings uh-huh. and stuff, or illustrations, diagrams, whatever. <laughs> like there's some more outlandish theories, of course, because there always is with these things. All the unknowns. Which is people who've like scholars, like professional with careers evolving around studying things. <laughs> You know, scholars, they tend to ignore these because they're kind of like conspiracy theory stuff. Mm. But 
uh, or the same energy at least, but like some people are like, oh, it's from an alternate universe or the language is different and it fell through a wormhole or something yeah. and ended up here. Or it's it's like it's from like somewhere else. It's like, a I don't know, stuff like that. Um, or it's made by aliens or, you know, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of fun, crazy theories, which I think are kind of unlikely, but. Yeah, and really easy to come you know, let's come to the conclusion that this is, you know, from an alien or whatever, because we can't easily identify. Yeah, it it's, it's not not to discredit those people because they give me a lot of entertainment and joy. <laughs> and I think they do. I think they're doing God's work, honestly, in terms of that <laughs> department. But uh, in what way? What do well, you mean? it's it's it's, um, it's entertaining so, you. Yeah, it's really fun <laughs> to listen to that. Uh, but no, it's. um I think it's kind of lazy to say this thing. We don't really understand it. Ergo, supernatural. That's what I was going to say. And kind of lazy is because, you know, at that point, it sort of shuts down the possibility of trying to prove any. Yeah, exactly. It's like. Well, we're done working on this. You know, it's the same thing with like, how did these primitive men built these grand pyramids they couldn't have moved all these rocks and must have been done by space aliens I'm yeah. like, no no they were they had engineering <laughs> they had a bunch of slaves just to throw yeah. human life and suffering at it to quote lucy k but it takes <laughs> a lot of work to figure all that stuff out no it does yeah. it does but it's like people in the past are as smart as people. no i mean it takes work to figure out how they did it oh yeah as opposed to just saying yeah, oh aliens must have just come down. Yeah, yeah yeah no you need to actually like think about it for like yeah. more than a minute yeah. but the um <laughs> yeah but it's like that where it's like it's it's to me it's like doing a disservice to like people in the past where it's like no they they knew what they were doing yeah. <laughs> i mean maybe their reasoning was a little different but they knew what they were doing anyways that's like a whole soapbox yeah, that's, a, that's a whole nother track thing um over the years naturally because it's like a known thing now the internet's a thing now so more people have learned about um, this manuscript, and a lot of people, like a lot of people, like there was like lists of people I found have claimed to have, I've cracked it, I've solved it, I've debunked it. And it usually turns out to be nothing substantial. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because sometimes it's like just an attention thing. Is the whole and, thing, like the whole manuscript available online? Oh, yeah. There's like access? a PDF of it. I think. Of the whole thing. So I think, people don't yeah. have to go to Yale to yeah. see the whole thing if they want to try to. Mm hmm figure out what it is mm -hmm. yeah either it's like an attention thing which is not too uncommon or it's just in general or it's like uh someone who who thinks they got it and they didn't they don't you know and there's like um also you know just like people trying to cast in on like selling the story of the the amazing true story of how i solved this thing and they didn't mm. like the most or one of the more recent ones from a couple years ago this guy named i think it's nicholas Briggs, it might have been Biggs. I can't remember. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, um, anyways, he, uh, I don't have it written down. But he got a lot of tracks in on like some news sites and stuff because he claimed to have figured it out. Um, and it was kind of going off the whole like it's like a farmer's thing or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like a, a botanist plant. It's a plant thing, yeah, basically. But a lot of medieval scholars and a lot of people who've studied the manuscript, you know, like professionally are like, that doesn't suck out, that doesn't track. Because what it was is like the um, translations he was using didn't really line up with the actual like how it was written out and stuff. And like a lot of it was like kind of suspect. And it, it, yeah. it was like a lot of details about why that didn't really work. And 
I kind of went a lot over my head. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things where just like, yeah, no, that doesn't. I think I would have heard about it if yeah. it was solved. It really seems like it would it would take a, re- a very strong team of experts mm-hmm. to try to sort out, you know, from the from historical perspective and, yeah. you know, the just the biological part with all the plants and, yeah. you know, just like it just it would. Well, that's one of the things that's a big team. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes this mystery so intriguing because it's something that we've had for a while now. We as like a species, you know, we, we, we've known this thing exists for a while now and we've looked at it for a while and we haven't really been able to figure it out. I mean, it's probably something that's a bit more mundane than what a lot of people think. You know, it's probably yeah. something boring, like, yeah. you know, like it could be like a journal or something for all we know. Or just like some guy making art. But the fact that it's in its own language, something that hasn't been seen or uh, identified anywhere else or anywhere else, so to speak, yeah. you know, because it's like this is the only it known really instance of it. It really makes you wonder. It, it really, yeah, it fuels the imagination. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to, that's a really good way to put it. I'm sure that's why it's so popular. It's this, all the speculation around it, even if it is a mundane. Yeah, I, um, I've said this before. Possibly on the soap, possibly off it. Um, and uh, I still stand by this, even if I'm not good at it. I'm trying really hard not to turn this into an Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> podcast because this stuff is so interesting to me. But um, it's also like not really our mission statement. <laughs> so that's what you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I think you kind of gave us that that warning at the end of the last one. It's like, okay, this is not going to be an Unsolved Mysteries yeah, podcast, I'm... but the next episode is about, you know, the Voitek manuscript. Voynich, Voitech. <laughs> I did it. I combined the two. Oh so Voitech That would be hilarious. Bear. It's a bear drawing. <laughs> and I was wondering, you know, what if what if the person who wrote it, whoever the author was, just had really bad handwriting and it just looks like... <laughs> it looks like it's, its own language, but <laughs> it's, it's just... Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen that theory. I'll be honest. That's, that's a new funny. one for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, getting back to sort of the mission statement of this podcast, I'm sometimes I wonder maybe instead of history slices, we should have called it, but that's another story. No. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> because yeah. Because we, we have so many, <laughs> we get derailed so many times, but that's, that's Well, that's right. how we go. That's the, yeah. this is a conversation, you know, it's like, it, so long as we get back on track yeah, eventually. Yeah, keep it on the rails. Eventually. Yeah. yeah, like I think it's fine to like kind of, at one point we were, one of the episodes we were talking about Bigfoot. And it was the episode wasn't about Bigfoot. We were talking completely. Talk- not so about it's Bigfoot. like it's all good. Yeah. Um, well, good. Well, anyways, that was that was very interesting to learn. Do you about have the any Voynich. other comments or questions or? Uh, you know, I don't. Um, as far as unsolved mysteries go, I I'm the kind of person who likes things to be nice and tidy and wrapped up. And, most you people know, do. <laughs> most yeah. people don't like sitting with that sort of uncomfortable feeling of not knowing something so yeah um, but it was really fascinating to learn about that and that it's you know still in existence it's just sitting there kind of unsolved yeah you know like a hobby waiting for somebody to take (laughs) on (laughs) but uh Uh, no it was very interesting i don't i don't think i have any other questions about it though yeah Yeah, thank you oh you're welcome uh something you said just now about wanting to know everything or wanting to you know have easy answers i know that feeling very well. I my inner Ravenclaw is just like, yeah, what what, what what's the dealio? But the um, I think that's kind of life. Um, not to be all you know philosophic or flowery yeah. or whatever, but I think life is not knowing all the answers. And yeah, it's true. Sometimes you don't get to know everything, 
well, you don't get you know everything in general, but you know what I mean, like about yeah. this or that. And I think there's, I don't know. I think there's something rather beautiful about that concept, but maybe yeah. I'm just weird. Uh, <laughs> no, I can, I can totally see that. And not that I would want easy answers to everything. Cause that would be so boring. Oh yeah. If there was easy answers to everything, but I don't like to be uncomfortable for very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like to be able to eventually be able to solve things. So things like this, it's very interesting how, huh? you know, I have, and there's more things we won't know than things yeah, that we do know. So yeah. I have bad news for you. Our, I better get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Our next, our next episode is going to be another mystery. Oh, it is. Yeah. But, but this is, the one after that won't be, I promise. Okay. Well, tell me, <laughs> tell me now that you've, uh, yeah, now that I prephrase that, yeah, I'll tease so what, that. What's the next episode going to be about? Okay. So this guy's friends. So his name is either Lewis or Louis. Okay. It's spelled Lewis, but he's friends. Okay. So sorry. Louis. <laughs> Louis Lee okay. Prince. Okay. Mysterious disappearance. But, and this is what makes it interesting, possibly the inventor of the television. Wow. Or a camera. Well, I can't wait to hear the circumstances around that. Yeah. Very interesting. And why you haven't heard of him before. Yeah. (laughs) Who took him off the face of the earth? That's what I want to (laughs) know. Well, we'll get into the theories next week. Um, Oh, my gosh. So that's going to be episode 10. Yeah, that's next time. Awesome. I like nice numbers like 10. But this one has (laughs) been been episode 9. Yes. It's been all about the Voynich Manuscript. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I know I certainly did researching it. (laughs) That's awesome. I liked hearing about it too, Jacob. Nice job. Okay. Until next time. Bye. We'll see you then.